We're into it. Episode four. Happy fourth birthday. Is that uh, how we treat these? Is no, that... I don't no? think so. We can't start Not like a that. weekly birthday? No, no, no. no. Okay. That might get annoying. Speaking of birthdays, though. <laughs> Just move on. You, should've, Just you keep... shouldn't have set it up. It was Peter's birthday this week. Yay. You know what? I think it's fair to say that you are officially at an age where your birthday joke is that you you turned 25. Right? Is 20, that fair? 29 again. Actually, I had somebody mention the other day that they consider their birthdays leveling up. Mm, that's pretty cool. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I leveled up. Like in I'm pretty high level in wisdom or <laughs> definitely not in wisdom. Loss of I don't know. I youth. Got, I got new shoes that are a little higher, so I've gotten Okay, uh, okay, cool. I leveled up. Some platforms. Uh well, happy birthday, Peter. Thank you. Congrats. We we celebrate with another edition of the Road the Stage. Week four. Uh make sure you're you're uh watching on YouTube, subscribing to the Bose That's Barn a Stage big YouTube thing channel. Huge. That a lot of people don't understand and understand how much it helps. When you go to YouTube to watch it, there's a little tiny subscribe button, and you're probably already signed in mm -hmm. to your Google account anyways. So why not subscribe? Just, it's a little click. Even an old guy like me yeah. knows to just I'm going to guess you're, su you're subscribed to Bo's Bar and Stage on YouTube. You're subscribed to the White Buffalo. <laughs> uh, San Francisco Giants. I might get updates hourly. Uh, Calgary Flames. Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. never yeah. mind. Yeah, subscribe, and then um, follow us on social media, The Road, The Stage. Um, episode four, we're, we're minutes away from connecting on, uh, zoom with Dave Ritter. I don't know how in the hell we're lining up. Like every guest so far has just been killer. And I'm very excited about Dave. Dave's, yeah. uh, kind of the self-described nerdy Strumbella. Yes. From the Strumbellas, we should say. And, uh, yeah, they've got a brand new song out greatest called My Greatest Enemy. Enemy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Dave's keyboard. Very talented. Uh, all of them are, are really talented musicians, but he's, uh, you know, one of the many vocalists in the Strombellas and a keys player, keyboardist. How, how do you think? We, maybe we'll ask him how he likes to be described. But uh, based in Toronto, like you said, the Strombellas have their new single out called uh, Greatest Enemy. We're going to talk about that with Dave because I, I don't, like, uh, is it for, from something? It's is there an a album? new project, but all you right. know what? Why don't we let Dave talk about that? All right. Sounds good. Dave. Dave times. Dave, Dave for a third time, kind of, sort of. Woo! We're making it happen. He's been waiting so long for this chat that he got so hungry. You know what I find remarkable? Last bite. <laughs> Last bite. I find uh, when I was kind of looking into the Strumbellas and, and more specifically the Strumbellas recently was that... Uh, it seems like most of you share responsibilities for, for promoting the band. Like everyone's doing something, whether it's this radio station or that radio station or this podcast or this article, it was, it was kind of nice to see. I don't, I feel like I don't always get to see that. Is that by design, Dave? Like do you guys just kind of divide and conquer? Is that the thought behind it? We are an unusually democratic organization. My, um, <laughs> just anecdotal impression of other bands is that yeah there's usually like one or two people who kind of do stuff um for the most part and we all do stuff um and yeah sometimes it's fun like sometimes you can be like oh this interviews with you know our drummer and, and stuff um and other times it's just like a waking nightmare like if you ask any of our record producers like what it's like to be in the booth with like all six of us being like no no no, the drum fill should be more like this you know like it's just, it's just terrible a few extra days of studio time tacked onto the end because of that maybe yeah i think they're really like used to working with like one or two people and then that's just all of us just all crammed into this small space I don't know. It's a beautiful thing to see, especially uh, I don't know if there's any sort of connection, but you guys have, and I know Pete really likes 
vocal harmonies. I love them too, but you guys, uh, I would assume, spend a ton of time working on those. I wonder if that, that kind of connectedness has anything to do with that democratic institution you're running in the Strombellus. Yeah, you know, I I do think there's something about... Um, my favorite band is the Beach Boys, so I'm like a big harmonies person. Um, but I do think there's something about the fact that everyone in the band sings, and then that makes it... Uh, like then the whole everyone in the crowd sing, or a lot of people in the crowd sing too like i think there's a sort of there's so many of us there's six of us and then yeah we're all singing together i think it's kind of like brings a, a togetherness kind of vibe okay, very now, cool. this is the most important question i had for this entire interview and you oh. can just give me a straight yes but it ties in with all of this so i'm glad we're getting into it early uh, so the road, the stage, we focus on, you know, bands, journeys and, and driving. I just, I picture the six of you in whatever vehicle it is that you're bombing down the road in from show to show with just a massive group sing-along from the moment you leave till you get to the venue. <laughs> it's just a big group sing-along the whole time. Please say yes. No. Ah, damn it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, there has been so many different, ways in which this band has traveled around i'm sure we'll get into it but um no there's a lot of like you know just people vaguely annoyed at each other uh, with their headphones on staring at you know and like everyone's binging like something different you know watch it on their laptop well they say you should never meet your heroes and i feel like that's that <laughs> moment <laughs> um i want to i want to kind of transition to something that the listener or watcher viewer should have picked up on by now. It's the fact that you guys are wearing the same shirt. It's like we're the same person. Like it's I, it's really, yeah. It's very May I ask where you purchased yours? So mine's Eddie Bauer. I don't think they're exactly the same because I can see that yours has a button. Oh right. I've got a button on, and I do believe mine doesn't. I want to say mine's Wrangler. I think, oh, I think I'm the myth it's is the dead. It's the West versus East thing. The Wrangler versus Oh yeah, you're wearing <laughs> cowboy. <laughs> I'm wearing cowboy bow, clothes. Cowboy, cowboy, <laughs> he's wearing camping for, gear. Yeah, but for the listeners, like seriously, it's like exactly the same, and, and we did not, we definitely didn't plan it. Well, I mean, let's be honest. This is pretty much the Canadian jacket right here. It's pla red and black plaid. I I'm mean, sorry, you've you've uh, you're ignoring the the uh, famous denim. What what's the? Oh, that's it's not the, it's not quite the Canadian tuxedo. It's Canadian tux, right, right. It's right. the penultimate Canadian tuxedo. I don't know. Well, anyways, that's a good looking jacket, Dave. Thank you. Uh, in, Thank you. In, in Same to you. <laughs> in regards to uh, Dave's style specifically, I saw a picture recently, and I, I think we'll probably bring it up on the video, but uh, it made me re made me think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you might have the best style. I don't want to start a competition, but the best style in the Strombellas. You were wearing like a – it was like a leather bomber, and I think I saw suede on it, and there were absolutely giraffes. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm aware. I'm, I'm familiar with the jacket. It, it's, that wasn't was that something you guys showed up for a photo shoot and they were like, here, take this jacket. This would look sweet on you, or, or you're bringing that on your own. No, um, I do, I do have like a slight weakness for cool jackets. I like have, I have too many jackets, but um, that jacket was custom made for me oh. um, by our stylist for our Juno performance. Um, where we played Spirits the year that we won um, Juno for Single of the Year, which I want to say was like 2016, 2017. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, um, and and God bless her, she did a great job. I usually, I very like often 
um, oh goodness, how could you say anything about having stylus that doesn't just sound stupid? But I very often <laughs> like find people don't um, know how to dress me. I'm a again, if you don't have the video, like I'm a I'm a larger individual, and um, people just don't like it's like they're you know trying to dress like a I don't know something you know like a swarm of bees like they just don't understand how to do it but um uh but this particular thing uh this particular event she did great and yeah that jacket's cool it's a bomber with all these like uh safari animals okay so it's more than just giraffes yeah there's there's various animals on it okay very cool I don't think I have the best style though I I I really like like fun stage clothes but Simon has the best style um Simon, our singer, and and his style is the best because he can literally just wear anything and it just looks, he just pulls it off and it's just impossible to understand how he does it. He'll be like, yeah, you know, we'll be like, hey man, nice aquamarine pants you're wearing. He'll be like, yeah, I got, I got these like an old lady left a bunch of her pants in the lobby of my building and now I'm wearing them and they look great. Like he just, he's just one of these people, he just shows up and like, He'll be like, guys, I'm ready for the show. And he'll be wearing this like ankle length shirt. And we'll just be like, all right, I guess that's what he's wearing tonight. And it always, it always looks great. Well, to be fair in that picture, and I think we will show it, he is, he is wearing like a magnificent, almost purplish, royal blue, full top to bottom suit and some beautiful wide brimmed hat. But the I, I just, I like you, you're, you're a sucker for jackets. I, I'm a sucker for bombers. So I think I noticed it immediately. Yeah. Well, who's got the better who's got the better hats, right? Because Simon's hats are pretty. He's got those big wide brims, but I mean the Dave hat is so iconic. Yeah, that's a good point. Thank you. That started out as a joke, and um, now <laughs> that's the best. And, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, uh, again for the listeners who don't like, you know, I, I often have a baseball cap that says Dave on it, and um, yeah, it's funny because then now I go out on stage and um, and people sometimes chant you know dave 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 and i think wow they really like me and then uh some shows i'll wear the i won't wear the hat and they just won't do it and then i'll think they don't like me anymore (laughs) i haven't figured out yet that it's just about the hat i just think it's about me personally do you mind delving into why you like what what the joke was of wearing the dave hat were you sick and tired of of having to tell interviewers who you were (laughs) (laughs) no i think i just um honestly it's really hot on stage Mm. and sometimes you play outdoor shows and it's just and you're just in direct sun you know in the middle of the summer it's just unbelievably hot it's just sometimes it's nice to have a hat to just sort of keep things together and um and yeah i don't know i i think i i think i had a hat that just said music at one point that i thought was funny or, or or stupid and funny um and then i just yeah i think i just made one once because i thought it was silly um and then and then it just became it just slowly became an every night thing so i yeah there's not like a great story of how it occurred but it started out as just sort of a silly joke and now uh here we are like four years later well i think next time the strumbell has come through red deer you and i should get dave hats dave hats yeah and then uh Maybe. Then everybody's going to be confused. They're going to have no idea. And we're going to, Dave and I would be wearing the same jacket. We should just hand out Dave hats to everyone that goes, <laughs> and then Dave will feel more than love. Is that a line of merch for the Strumbellas? Can you buy, can a fan buy a Dave hat? Uh, we have done small runs occasionally. Okay. And sometimes people will, like, make their own Dave hats. It's really, it's very cute and, and very fun. 
Very cool. Well, I do remember that hat made a big impression. Uh, you guys came through Red Deer. Would have been February of 2019. Was it 2019? Uh, they, I think yeah. it was 2019 for the Canada Winter Games. Uh, what do you remember about uh, that performance? We had it was just it was an empty field that they put up a big inflatable tent that held about 2,000 people, I think, maybe 3,000. And it was minus 40. And it was minus 40 for the whole week. Yeah. <laughs> it was cold. I'll give you okay. Um, I'll give you an honest, uh, like a very honest answer. Please. Um, I remember nothing about the performance. I don't, and, but I don't want any. I want, don't want you guys or anyone from Red Deer to take this personally. I remember my memory. It's like I don't. I'm like a goldfish or something. I can't remember anything, and it's very awkward. Like I, mm. I often will meet people at shows, and they'll say, "Hey, we met in Sault Ste. Marie, you know, and uh, it was great, and you had such a good." And I and I sort of pretend I'm like I don't want to be nice, and I I don't want people to have hurt feelings and i'll say oh yes of course or they'll say do you remember this festival that you played in owen sound you know two years ago and i'll say and i'll say oh yeah you know what a great show and so like anyway that would have been the the political answer is to say like oh yeah that would have been great but i have absolutely no memory of it and um you know i'm 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 sorry about that but it's not it's not that i have no memory of that show it's that the tourists they just blur so you know i like sometimes will remember like oh like a, a nice lunch we had or whatever but it's really it turns into this pretentious thing like in um oh um what's that movie the um mockumentary about the rock band the hair spinal tap band? spinal tap spinal tap yeah, right, yeah where they like can't remember the the, the they can't remember the, <laughs> the town that they're in yeah. oh right and, right yeah and i know that that's like this pretentious like musician thing um and this is sort of the opposite of that where it's i i usually know where i am but i can't remember where i've been <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I'm so, I'm sorry, but it's not, you know, it's 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 nothing personal but, but at right least here. you own it. I, I, I love I the have honest a answer. Deficiency. I love the honest answer. And I mean, let's be honest, like when when you're playing venues, like how much do you actually see out into the crowd? With all the lights and everything on you, like how much can you actually see of the the venue that's in front of you? Um, you know, usually the um light techs are good at it's true that um, often while the song is going on and the, and the lights are bright, sometimes you, you can't see, but um, often the techs are going to bring up the lights or uh, the house lights so you can see the crowd in between the songs. And you get quite a good like amount of time in the venue before the show starts, you know, for a sound check and you're just kind of walking around and getting a drink. So you can get a feel for the place. Um, and uh, I mean, we love play, you know, we've have toured um, at West's countless times so i have like lots of good memories of um of playing in alberta and, and stuff but i just um you know specifically like oh do you remember like you know this march 19th like three years ago like i know I, I have no idea so i like um have you have you like figured out why that is specifically like when you're going on stage night after night after night or in that instance you guys were actually at our radio station uh, earlier that afternoon playing for a very a select group of listeners uh like do nerves come into play do you get nervous to go on stage um not usually okay but, but they come out in in sort of um weird ways so like i don't i don't often feel nervous but then i'll realize that i'm like fidgeting you know in this like really specific mm. way so like i think i think yeah the nerves and i notice this in my bandmates too um you know like there will be some person who gets like really hungry and another person who like can't eat but like we're all like pretty calm like we're all sort of you know the the like real like 
jacked up nerves, I think, uh, left us um, several years ago, but like little, little subtle ways. So has anybody had that moment on stage? I guess more specifically, probably Simon, because he's speaking the most where you guys have kind of forgotten where you are. Has there ever been that <laughs> awkward moment? Wrong name of a city called out or? Well, at that point, you just don't <laughs> say the name ever. <laughs> I th- I think I'm again, I'm trying to decide how honest to be. No, I, <laughs> I think I said. Hello. Pittsburgh in Philadelphia. Oh, or I said, hello, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. And that's like a particularly bad one, right? Because they're both in Pennsylvania and that, you know, there's definitely a rivalry between them. Um, And I recovered, well, I mean, sort of recovered almost right away and and made it like uh, into a joke. That's impressive. Um, But it's really rude. Like I feel feel very (laughs) bad about it. and it's not because, you know, like we live a jet setting lifestyle and I can't tell one private plane from the next. It's just because I'm dumb. Like, I wish people <laughs> would understand that it's not because, you know, like I, I have too many gold plated, I, I don't know, teeth or something. It's because, you know, I'm just like stupid. That's that's why I make these mistakes. I'm loving it's, this honesty. It's absolutely one of my favorite concert memories. I saw Kiss play and for some reason they decided to have this big, huge video screen behind them that shows their faces really close up. And it was in Calgary, and yeah, Paul Stanley was doing a break between songs, and he was like, hello! And you could see his eyes look down to the stage, and then back up again, Calgary! But yeah, sometimes you need that, you need those little reminders placed around the stage. So, okay, and like, I I mean, we don't have to harp on you for this for too much longer, but recently you guys were celebrating five years since Hope. And there's a great, uh, on your Instagram, I didn't even know you could do this on Instagram, but you have like a, a photo album of all these memories from that that explosion behind that record, which included appearances on a, a bunch of late night talk shows in the States. Do you remember those shows? I, those ones I remember, because um, they're so unusual. Right. Um, and yeah, that year was very... Um, that that year was a whirlwind. I mean, we um, went from being, you know, a mid-level Canadian band that toured a lot and toured in a, you know, in a van and um, to uh, really spending a lot of time in airports and um, playing a lot more in the U.S. and Europe than I think we ever thought. Um, and yeah, and doing and doing a bunch of TV and things that we. Um, didn't normally get to do so yeah it was really fun i yeah, I, rem- I remember a lot about that year how much you know I, I remember when alabama shakes really blew up i remember reading an article about uh the the trouble that they would have maintaining that success because they did kind of blow up overnight um how much do you credit you know this the stuff that you went through the you know those long nights in tour vans and a bunch of you crammed in together to being able to handle that success once it came yeah i think we're sort of we're well, I was going to say we're in a unique position, but I wonder if a lot of bands are like this, where we sort of have experienced both, where we have the slow build, where we're, you know, we're playing uh, shows in you know empty bars in Medicine Hat, you know, for years. And um, when we started out as a, I think, nine, 10 piece folk band playing farmer's markets on Sunday mornings, you know, and so we have the experience of 
slowly building a fan base for a number of years, mostly in Canada. And then we also have the experience of growing quickly um, in the States. And so we can kind of see both of those things and the crowds um, in Canada and uh, other places in the world react differently to like some of our older songs and stuff. So we have like a, um, yeah, we have kind of a experience of both, but maybe that's when, you know, maybe a lot of bands have that because they, you know, the, the old joke is the overnight success 10 years in the making. So, I mean, maybe a lot of bands are like this. I, uh, I, I wanted to ask you about the farmer's market situation. Like that was, is, is that something that you guys still do? Is that something you still focus on? A nice little, little Easter egg on a Strumbella's tour? <laughs> um, uh, no, we have not played a farmer's market in a long time. Um, but those were good times. Yeah, yeah I bet. So, but you guys would plot out farmer's markets, I'm assuming in Ontario, like other places in Canada as well? Um, no, it was just something where we just, I think we just knew a few people and it was just some of our early gigs were just, you know, we, we didn't have a drummer and we just, we yeah. played a lot of acoustic music at the time. And, um, so it was just sort of a good fit. You know, we were just like, Simon had a long beard and bare feet and <laughs> we had, there was, there was like a clarinetist in the band and, a and a mandolin player. And it just kind of, it was like farmer's market bluegrassy music yeah it fit you know so no we, we played them mostly around toronto um and we played you know pedestrian sundays in kensington market and we and we pl played some shows that were actually at night you know <laughs> but uh yeah i mean but you know it was sort of we would take any gig we could get um i now i couldn't find any farmer's market footage specifically but i did find an old video from uh, Southern Souls, which we'll post a link to of you guys. I, I'm assuming, I mean, half of it was you just marching and playing a beautiful song, I believe, heading down the long steps into a Toronto subway. Am I, does that sound right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, my favorite um, subway station in Toronto. Yeah. Oh, okay. Which one, which one is that? Uh, DuPont. It has this, um, all the subway stations in Toronto have uh, different... Uh, design aesthetic. I think mm -hmm. they were all designed by different people. And um, DuPont's my favorite. It has this kind of 60s futuristic feel to it. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll post the link to that because it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful video. Very cool. Thank you. Yeah, cool. Now you talk about those farmer's markets days and having a clarinetist in the band. And has there ever been one instrument that somebody has wanted to bring into recording or thought would sound good in something that everybody's like, no? Like, what what's the one instrument that has been said no to? Hmm. <sighs> That's a good question. Um, you know, around the time when we were recording Hope, I started bringing synthesizers into the jam space. And um, that, that was an adjustment. <laughs> um, partly because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, so, you know, I was sort of I had to have this box, you know, that had a bunch of knobs on it and some keys and I would plug it in and I'd turn all the knobs to 10 and then it would go, you know, and I'd be like, hey guys, doesn't this sound great? It's from, you know, it's from the seventies. And, um, and they, you know, I remember, I think the first time I, I brought a synthesizer to the jam space, like a couple of my bandmates were walking in the door and they were like, what was, what's that? That sounds awful. You know, like, why? Like, what is that? It sucks. Um, so that was, yeah, I don't think anything's been like outright, like no one's allowed to play, you know, the 
sitar or something, but uh, but the synthesizers it took some getting used to. So what did you uh, what did you do to make them come around to the sound of it? Did you turn down the like learned how to play it? <laughs> yeah, I think I learned how to play it. Um, yeah, I think that was the main thing. I may have like I, I yeah, I think I figured out what I was doing. That was like part of. It. Um, and uh, yeah, made sure that it was um, a little more subtle than maybe the first few rehearsals. That's uh, that, that's fun. Did you get to use that on the Hope Hope album? That's when you said you started bringing it around. Yeah, that's sort of when the, you know, when we started to feel more like inspired by like pop music and like big anthemic records, and so yeah, so. The, the more electronic touches on hope started to creep in and just to confirm you you are you like never ended up bringing the synth to any farmers market performances right no no because you know like they they were very unplugged so it never would have worked well I can't I honestly can't think of too many bands that uh, would work so well in a farmers market type scenario scenery as as the strombolas would because i mean having seen you guys fairly unplugged i think in the station um oh, yeah. staff room a few years ago was amazing it was incredible so when you're on the road do you get a chance to go to farmers markets do you like to get out and explore some of those like you know you're not playing there but like how do you wrangle six people like i'm sure everybody's got a little something different they want to do on the very little downtime that you get yeah well the farmers market on tour you know I mean, there's just, there's not much you can do with like a bunch of green pepper. Like you're not cooking a lot, right? You don't have a kitchen usually. So there's not much you can do with like heirloom tomatoes, like in a van when you're crossing the country. Um, so it's not all that interesting, but yeah, everyone sort of has their own thing. Um, I like to do, like I'm often trying to eye some kind of museum um, or art gallery. Uh, there's people who are more like, uh, want to go for a run or a hike um it's people who you know or like i'm like sometimes you know depending on mood like i sometimes want to just stay in bed all day and you know and and binge something nap you know it, like it, it, yeah depends on the on the strumbella and on the day and now i was i was reading uh something you'd picked up that you guys are pretty consciously environmental on the road and i think that that's probably become far more prominent and relevant in the in recent years so do you have any like quick tips for other bands on tour that you guys have picked up over the years this is a testament to our bass player daryl who is um bringing a lot of environmental causes to the band um touring is very uh wasteful generally um apart from the fuel costs which are like wild but um yeah the i think one thing that musicians can do that's fairly easy is just try to get rid of plastic water bottles mm. there's just plastic water bottles are it's a staple of every like backstage um green room you know and um i understand that there's like a, a convenience factor for bands and for venues but it's really wasteful. I mean, it's, it's even more wasteful than normal, like regular use of plastic bottles in someone's fridge at home. You know, you, you at least like will drink the water that's in it, but backstage, you know, they're just, they're strewn everywhere, half drunk. Someone takes a sip and then has to go to sound check. And anyway, it's, it's very wasteful. So um, 
and this doesn't this isn't something we innovated but there's a lot of movement around just trying to um have a zero plastic uh you know or a zero bottle waste tour and um i think that's a good thing damn i really like that uh you know not it's a good tip for the tour for the road but also for for backstage scenes that's uh I hope some people start to see that because I can only imagine the mess of, like you said, half drunk water bottles that you've left and then forgotten if it's actually yours or not. Yeah, it just takes some organization. Like, I understand why people do it. There's a lot of, especially at a festival, it's outside, it's hot. There's a lot of people running around into different locations and they don't necessarily, you know, take their reusable water bottle with them. But if, but with a little planning and a little sort of dedication, you know, you can can do it and how much do you miss getting all that organizing i mean it's been a year since concerts have been a thing um what, what have you guys been doing uh during the downtime i mean obviously we'll talk about the new music that's come out uh, but what have you guys done like have you been able to get together a whole bunch has it all kind of been writing and talking through group chats to get to uh, a space of new music yeah well um i'm in toronto right now so we're uh pretty locked down oh, we've been locked down um, for a long time, you know, occasionally they loosen things a bit and then we get locked, locked down again. Um, so, I mean, I don't think we've gotten together and played music, the six of us, since it started. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I miss it. It's, it's been, it feels like it's been so long. Um, I don't even totally remember what it feels like. I mean, it's, it's wild. Um, and so yeah we've been doing lots of different things um people are working on different creative projects i had a bait i had another baby hey, during the pandemic um thank you um so i have two little kids and and that obviously is like really time consuming um but yeah just trying to stay sane and uh yeah and we do a lot of a lot of zoom um, we send demos, you know, back and forth and, and things like that. And then that's sort of why like, um, recording, we recorded greatest enemy and another song, um, back in November during like a brief, like window <laughs> between, <Hope>. um, <laughs> between lockdowns. And, um, it was wild. It was, you know, it was like, wow, we're all in the same room at the same time, you know, masked and, and trying to maintain some distance, but it was like, oh, you know. I, I actually like these people, you know, I'm not just like angry at them on zoom. I'm like this. Oh, this is what, you know, like us all hanging out feels like and getting to make some music together. It was pretty, it was, yeah, it was like water in the desert. Which you guys had a long break before that, right? Cause you were supposed to go on tour la or geez, it was last January, 2020. I think you guys had to back out of that. That story's out there. Had to take care of your, your own, your own health, which is uh, something you guys don't shy away from talking about. And then the pandemic happened, and you can't can't do anything about it. And then, yeah, I was reading you guys came back in November. Uh, you, as I understand it, Greatest Enemy had was that written before any of this had happened, and it wasn't until, you know, halfway through the pandemic that you actually kind of got it nailed down, smoothed out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it existed as a demo um, in the band um, since before the pandemic, and then um, as we were working on it. You know, it sort of occurs to everyone like, well, maybe this is, you know, maybe the things that we're talking about in the song are things that a lot of people are feeling during this time. As they've spent more time with themselves than ever before in their lives, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and the road I mean, isn't necessarily sometimes a help to that, right? Like sometimes those uh, the demons and the darker thoughts when you're traveling long distance, you've got that time on the road yourself, those things can kind of overtake a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, it's hard, I think, it's hard, I think, to express because you want to be, I'm, I'm very grateful. The, like the fact that I... Uh, have gotten to play as many shows as I've gotten to and, and, and put out records and that people want to hear them. It's like the great honor of my life. And I, I really wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, and at the same time, touring is very, it's, uh, it's very difficult. And I, you know, I, it's hard to keep those two, like the gratitude, the, the, the amazing thing that we get to do it and the rigors of it it's hard because they're sort of contradictory, but um, you know, that's, it's the way it is. And so a lot of people, a lot of musicians, a lot of crew people um, who do this kind of traveling, who sleep in a different bed every night, who are like away from the people and the places and the routines that make them feel centered, mm -hmm. you know, and who um, are, you know, experiencing a lot of lack of sleep, who are experiencing a lot of airplanes and airports and stuff. It can be very depressing. It can be very, triggering to anyone who has sensitivities around mental health you know you're often yeah you're often uh sleep deprived deprived of routine um you're often uh hungry you know or or eating poorly or you know all the things that if you're doing them at home you know they they might also um, be contributing to depression um and anxiety so yeah no it's a it's a it's a difficult thing to do so having gone through this, um, once touring gets going again, what have you what have you learned that's going to help you when you guys get back out there and are doing it? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I think I've learned to just try to cut myself and everyone some slack. Like I think, you know, you can get quite you know, sometimes uh, your bandmate or someone on the crew or someone at the venue might not have a kind word for you that day. You know, someone might say, you know, do something rude or they might just need some space. And I think I have learned to to say, OK, that's that's whatever that is. It's probably not about me. You know, whatever is going on with that person is like part of their story. And um, and I understand that. And I think we're getting better as a band at saying, like, okay, here, here's a day where like day where I need some time to myself. And, um, and here's a day where, you know, okay, I can, I can go out and greet fans tonight and I can talk to everybody. And I really like doing that. All of us really like doing that. Um, and, and so-and-so needs a night off from that tonight. Um, and maybe I'll need a night off tomorrow. So I, I think, I think just everyone sort of becoming more cognizant that, um, mental health, um, on the road but then also just in life generally is is something we're becoming all more sensitive to and so i'm trying to just understand that like whatever's happening someone might just need like some slack which i don't think i think there's been probably many bands and groups who have not made it past that stage so that's pretty amazing that you guys have you're aware of that at least and, and like you're no you're not shy with uh promoting um mental health awareness i recently saw that you guys were i'm not sure who in the band was doing like a guided workout with a gym i think in toronto or, or hamilton or somewhere like that that's pretty cool 
You can just sign in, do a Zoom workout with the Strombella. Is that how that works? Yeah, that was um, that's that was spearheaded by Izzy, our violinist, who's really into um, fitness. And of course, I mean, fitness is a is a big um, help with a lot of people's um, depression and anxiety, including mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just um, we're this whole year we have been partnering with um, uh, CAMH, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto, and trying to raise money. And so that was one of like we have a few fun things that we're doing to try and raise money. And so that was one thing that we had this sort of, um, yeah, on online um, uh, workout for, for mental health. And you can kind of sweat to Strombella's tunes. It was really fun. It's a very cool idea. And then one of those other things that you've been doing with the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, I think, were, were you guys on Instagram last night figuring that out? Someone was announcing yeah. it, showing off it? Pete, you saw this, right? I did not. Oh, uh, it's with uh, limited distilling, canal side soda, and the Strombellas, and they're selling this. It's called the Strombellas Greatest Blueberry oh, Kit. Oh, the blueberry. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see the kit, but I saw the blueberry soda is available. Yeah, it's a full kit. So you get the limited gin, this uh, canal side greatest blueberry soda, two fresh lemons, and uh, dehydrated lemon wheels. And it's in support of, of Cam H, as you called it. Yeah, um, that's been a super cool project. We The um, soda company is called Canal Side. They have a little farm in the Niagara region. And they make the coolest fruit sodas and they're, um, I don't know, they're just so fun. They're not like um, Coke or Sprite that are often like really aggressive. They're just these like little bubbly fruity and they come in these small cute bottles. Anyway, I just, I love them. They're so, they're such a cool company and they were so down to uh, collaborate and it just sort of came together that they were pitching flavors. And I thought, well, greatest enemy, greatest blueberry, you know, that's like a fun <laughs> thing and so um yeah we have this super cool soda that you can buy i think it's only i think they only ship in ontario right now unfortunately oh okay um but yeah you can uh you can buy it it's a blueberry lemon and and basil soda it's really good um it's really beautiful it says it's this deep purple color and um yeah and all proceeds go to cambage Beautiful. Pete, Peter, Peter's the local craft uh, craft beer guy. Well, we got a lot of craft sodas, so the next time you come out here as well, there's some great craft oh, okay. sodas. And uh, one of the things oh, there you go. I appreciate as well, you've gotten into grilling quite a bit lately? I have, yeah. I uh, recently, I'm, I live in a house instead of a condo now, so I um, have a backyard, which is very exciting that I got a grill, yeah. So what's your favorite stuff to uh, throw on there? I think you had started slow. I think I'd seen a, an Instagram post that you'd started with just some sausages or whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Man, you grill guys. I I also like to spend some time around my grill, so yeah. Let's, like uh, let's like get into is some a gr- very <laughs> weak word for what it actually is. Yeah, I'm like a I'm like a baby grill. I'm I'm like just sort of on roading. So like I don't even think I've tried a rack of ribs yet. Um, I haven't smoked anything. So, um, you know, some of the things. I mean, I some of the steaks that I've made are really great, but. You know that's like pretty easy, and I'm, I'm sort of circling grilled chicken. I think I've like finally, I like the the real. There's two like breakthroughs that I had recently. The one was that um, I think I now understand the difference between a barbecue sauce and a barbecue rub. So like I know that's like very, um, that's very easy. But I think a lot of people who like aren't into grilling like put the sauce on, especially with chicken, too early. Yeah. So that's something that I have figured out, and then the major like you know, lights on in the house uh, breakthrough is I just use a meat thermometer now. So before I was doing all the, people will try and tell you, you know, 
oh, you can tell the doneness of your steak by pressing yeah. on your thumb and all this stupid crap. Just like buy a meat thermometer and your meat will never be overdone again. Like it's, it's, it's so simple. And I don't know why it took me until, you know, today years old to figure it out. But um, now everything I do, uh, you know, is like, it's like pretty good instead of like really hit or miss previously. You couldn't be more speaking my language that it was uh, honestly, it was life changing figuring that out and buying a temperature probe and cooking your meat to temp as opposed to, you know, you'll see a lot of recipes that are like for four hours or cook this for three or whatever. But no, always go by internal temp. Uh, and when you get to your ribs, I'll just throw this out there now. We're going to, we'll have to do like a separate food podcast later. Okay. Okay. Um, but the three, two, one style ribs, just search three, two, one ribs. That's what you want to do for okay. your first set of ribs. There right. you go. Life-changing. Any other tips you want to impart <laughs> like on I the say, new we'll, grill master? We'll, we'll start another podcast down the road here, and we'll do some foodie stuff. Well, the dumbest thing, the thing that um, is really annoying my wife right now is that um, I bought this grill, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to grill everything, and blah, blah, blah. And then I immediately started getting into all this food preparation that involves a cast iron pan <laughs> and smoking up my kitchen. So I don't know I don't know what happened, but now I like I want to make all my steaks on in the pan. I want to make all my burgers in this pan, so... Um, it's very stupid. I, I really need to like dedic- rededicate myself. Okay, so on that, Pete, Pete, it was just Pete's birthday the other day, and he was gifted a cast iron pan. First time using one? Uh, I haven't. I've got to season it yet. I haven't. I was but just, it's a fur. You've never. No, used I've one never before. used one before. So yes, I've, sounds like you've got. Throw you me, might have a tip or two. Throw me some cast iron tips. The um, the steak basted in butter in the cast iron pan. That's the that's the crust. That I that's the best that has beaten the steak on the grill for me. And do you you cook the steak start to finish in the pan? Start to finish in the pan, and um, yeah, you're you're sort of it's a little more it's not as controlled as on the grill because you don't have the the probe. You know, you're like hitting it with the instant read every once in a while. But yeah, start to finish in the pan, and then uh, burgers in the pan too, which is like something that you wouldn't necessarily think about, but they're. You put the, um, they're smashed in the pan with a metal spatula. And uh, so anyway, it sounds, you know, it sounds like sacrilegious not to make burgers on the grill, but um, you take the ground beef in a little ball, put it right in the middle of the pan, you smash it with a, a stiff metal spatula and it's like the best burger. I, uh, I got super excited a few months ago because I was really wanting to buy this cast iron pan that Maddie Matheson had put out. Uh, chef in Toronto, and it ended up. It came out, and it was it was going to cost probably about three hundred and fifty dollars. So I, uh, I, I, yeah, which was, I mean, it's a, it's a piece of art, but uh, I'm not I'm not like a professional in the the kitchen yet. Um, but yeah, you guys are making me jealous. Now. I mean, I might have to. It is like as you can probably tell by listening to us, it is just absolutely addicting. Getting into it and all the stuff you can learn, and you just you'll never eat so good. Yeah, it's true. It's to the point, like you, you say, with your wife and you, you're cooking and smoking everything up. I've overdone it, so nobody wants to eat any of the smoked stuff I've done now because they're they're done with it. Whereas I'd every day, I, if I could. I think. Well, I have small kids, so like the thing with us is that everything I want to make now is too complicated. Like I, you know, we have to eat. We have we have you know 20 minutes to make a meal, and so so most meals in 20 minutes are pretty. You know, and everything I want to make takes three hours now. So <laughs> it's too, yeah, it's too too complicated, basically. So if you're putting the baby mush into the grill to get some smoke flavor to it beforehand, yeah, right, right, that's right. maybe yeah, a little overboard. Right. Yeah, the frozen chicken fingers, if you do those on the grill, <laughs> it's really a lot better. 
Uh, I, well, I, I'm worried about when you uh, you go back on tour and you don't have you don't have access to your cast iron pan or your grill. You you might have Pete might have to fire his up when you guys stop in Red Deer. Well, when we do our podcast, we'll um, we'll talk about a bunch of bus food hacks. We're like sort of yep. keeping track of them in the band. There's a whole um, band discourse around Easy Mac that you make in the microwave. Mm-hmm. And um, for people who don't know this, it's just a microwavable mac and cheese, um, you know, craft dinner that comes in its own bowl. But there's all there's controversy in the band about what you add to it afterwards that really, you know, can perfect the recipe and whether people are adding extra cheese, hot sauce, maybe some cut up hot dogs. Like there's a lot of bus cooking that people are really. Um, Do you have a pick? Of uh, for what my what's, I don't. What's you know, your Easy Mac edition? Um. Yeah, I think sriracha is probably okay. my yeah. Easy Mac. Uh, it's not sriracha, too wild. and then some. Yeah, and then some probably maybe some grated cheddar. I think that's oh. really. I'm thinking, why not all the things? Like, why not just have a Strombella's Easy Mac and everybody gets to put Strombella soda, Strombella soda, Strombella Easy Mac. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Strombella uh, smash burgers. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, let's talk about uh, the new music and uh, things looking forward. I mean, I know it's it's tough right now. Toronto's in, in a pretty good lockdown. We've got more restrictions here in Alberta, but there is still a lot of talk that maybe by the end of this year or early next year, things could be going again. Do you guys plan on trying to get an album done by the time touring gets going again? Or are you guys kind of just happy with having a couple of songs ready to go? We are always writing and we're writing um, a lot right now, um, but we have no, yeah, there are no, um, definite recording plans or we would, I mean, if you ask me personally, like if there's no ex, if I, if I don't have to think of it, I, I would be on the first show. Like, I don't know. I would play a show in a, in a, you know, in a, in a sewer, like full of, <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I would, you know, I'm, I just so start to do it. I would play it the first chance I get, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll need to have things loosen up a little bit so we can do some recording and um you know, we are the guy who produced Greatest Enemy. His name's Dave Schiffman, and he's from LA. So, you know, uh, cross border um, travel is like will I think will remain complicated for you know the next little while. So, um, yeah. So there's a lot of things kind of out there that we're dealing with logistically. But I mean, I would be on you know whatever plane or boat or like alligator he would send for me to to take me to the next show if i could i imagine it it would sorry pat no it's all good uh it would be difficult with a band as big as yours but are you guys set up to record individually and then just ship that stuff or do you guys prefer to be all in the room together to make it happen we our home setup is um good for yeah for demoing um stuff but we prefer yeah to have the studio and the producer, I think that sort of helps wrangle all of us because there's so many of us and we are all pig-headed and have um, big personalities. So um, yeah, the the producer in the studio kind of helps just kind of organize everything and rein it in a little, I think. Um, you mentioned that Juno win earlier for single of the year um, and what you're right was back in 2017. So it's been a few years since then. Uh, you were quoted saying, and Drake was one of the people you you beat for single of the year. You were quoted saying, "We've heard that if you beat Drake, then you become Drake." 
we're pretty excited about this next phase of our career. Now, I could have left that second <laughs> sentence out, but how's the uh, Becoming Drake going? Um, well, anyone who's watching it on video can see that I'm in this very glamorous-looking basement right now. Um, some yeah, fluorescent light. Um, but you have yeah, a backyard. I do. I have a backyard. It's very luxurious um, for, for Toronto. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it would be... It would be cool if Drake knew um, at some point that we existed. I feel like that would be like a really, would be like a really cool career achievement. Um, if he sampled the Strombellas, feels a ways. Well, I mean, that's a whole other level. I mean, if he just was like, "Oh yeah, the Strombellas," and then like continued doing what, like, I don't know, um, brushing his teeth with like a gold toothbrush or something. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, I think if he, if we had some, we need some more like crossover. Drake stuff, I think, to really like cement this next phase of our career. That would be, we should really aim for that. I'm down. I'll listen to that. Yeah. And we'll in the meantime, uh, make sure our viewers and listeners listen to Greatest Enemy and check out the music video too. It's like super, super well done. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, that's uh, honestly, I think that's, man, we could probably just keep you here all night, but I know you got <laughs> kids to tend to. And uh, <clears throat> we are going to talk barbecue. When you guys come through Red Deer next, you might not remember this. But as soon, I'm going to be like, hey, Dave, do you remember we did this podcast and talked to him? Oh, yeah. We... I'll, re I'll remember this for sure. You guys, uh, you guys do your homework. So, th yeah, thanks for the great questions. Uh, thanks for joining us. And, you know, throughout the last few nights, we really appreciate it. Uh, oh, well, I mean, one of them was my big screw up. So thank, thank you guys for your patience. It's all good. Um, and we look forward to having you back in these parts. We'll, we'll hopefully have you in this same studio some year soon. We'll see. We'll awesome. see. Awesome. Fingers crossed. All right. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Peace, man. Thanks, Dave. Talk soon. I'm so glad. We had some technical difficulties that uh, we We were, mentioned it at the end. Yeah, we were hoping to do this a, a couple of days earlier, and we had some glitches here and there. I'm so glad that it worked out. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, we had an interaction with Dave from the Strombellas. Uh, you said 2019 for the Winter Games, right? They came by the station, and uh, he was a really funny, charming dude then. And uh, turns out that was the real real deal. And I don't even care if we lost every listener that we had during Meat Talk. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> have to we're gonna have to talk about that. We're gonna have to talk about that. Off we gotta try my... to do that with every guest. I think uh, maybe there's potential for when bands start rolling through town again to uh, I don't know do a video segment, Pete's Meat Shack. I think we Pete's can set meat. up a smoker back here somewhere. <laughs> Right? You guys want to set up a grill in the in the studio? I think we could get that. Just think of those sizzling sound effects and everything. Oh, yeah. Um, and new so, ideas born. Yes, check out. And who knows, maybe on the next Strombella's record, your conversation with Dave and his newfound love of grilling will influence the lyrical content of a song. You never know. Um, make sure you check out Greatest Enemy out now. And they have one more song coming, which is uh, right. exciting. Um, and what else? Us? Just smash smash it up smash, the subscribe, subscribe button that is um the bose barn stage youtube channel please uh subscribe like comment if you will share like our social medias get on the instagrams and I, the, you the know twitters what? even uh, all of them except for the tiktoks um i, I do want to say and we haven't done this enough and we have to make sure but we have to shout out producers ryan and riley we did in the first episode i think and i don't think we've done it since it's pathetic so thank you, guys. Someday we're going to show you their mugs. <laughs>
Their faces. We're gonna cut. We should cover up our faces with producer Ryan and Riley's faces. I actually, I, you know, I think that's the that's the story I'd heard about how Dave's hat got started. Is that he was missing from certain band appearances? Oh, so they brought in the Dave hat as a representative. As a representative oh. of Dave. So you get the Riley hat. I'll get the Ryan hat. No, I want their faces. Have you seen them? Yes, I have. Beautiful, beautiful men. <laughs> All right. Throw the stage. Um, Pete? Tick-tock it up. Wednesday, 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 Wednesday. The Road, the Stage is produced by Ryan Cooley and Riley Suryan, recorded in Red Deer, Alberta, and in partnership with Bose Bar and Stage, Troubled Monk, and Tourism Red Deer. The Road, the Stage. 